Welcome to the next episode of Grid Forward Chats. In this session, I pass the mic over to our board chair, Jackie Flowers, who's the director of Tacoma Public Utilities, and she chats with Paula Gold-Williams. Paula has been a guest on our podcast before, but since has left as the CEO of uh, CPS Energy and now serves on a number of industry boards, including the Secretary Granholm's Advisory Board and has helped supporting various industry efforts. So we thought it'd be a great opportunity to reconnect with Paula and chat with her on a number of important topics. Give a start on our podcast. Want to welcome our Grid Forward listening audience. I am thrilled. This is Jackie Flowers. I am the board chair at Grid Forward and um, director CEO of Tacoma Public Utilities. And I'm thrilled to be joined today by Paula Gold-Williams. And Paula has been a, a participant on the podcast before, and we're super excited to have you back, Paula. And you have had quite a bit that has changed and some interesting opportunities. So maybe if you want to catch us up on what's going on in your world, Paula. All right. Well, Jackie, thank you so much. And, and thanks to um, our listeners here to, uh, that are going to share some time with us or let me share some things with them. Yeah, things have changed. I... I did retire. I am no longer actively a CEO for a utility. Uh, God bless you, Jackie, and everything that you do every day. Um, I did that role for um, over six years, and um, and am very glad that I had uh, the ability to be in the industry exactly when we are now. I mean, as difficult as it is, I'm, I'm really glad that I was able to get that experience. Since then, though, I um, now do several other things. I chair the um, Keystone Policy Board. Um, I also am a board member to Amera Inc. It's a utility holding company. Uh, I continue to serve on some other organizations, um, Think Tank for Dentons. Um, we focus on smart cities initiatives. I also serve on Secretary Granholm's Energy Advisory Committee. Um, on the Grid Modernization Committee, and I also do some work with a couple of organizations, one called Epicenter. It is a uh, innovation think tank and strategy um, organization that helps uh, match uh, people who have great ideas with uh, people who need those ideas on the energy sector and innovation. And finally, I do, I work uh, with a board called I Empower, which helps to uh, engage women and help them um, in their future career endeavors. So I still am staying busy, but but not not the 24-7 uh, situation I had as a utility executive. Well, that's quite a list of activities. And I think it just goes to show, you know, once you've been in this industry, you you stay connected in the industry and always find more ways to get involved and, and give back. And that sounds like an incredible suite of um, unique uh, focus points, focal points, but also having some good intersectionality. So really excited to to see how how you all um, how you anticipate this navigating this new landscape with some of the funding that's coming out and how that's going to play together in some of the work that you're doing. Awesome. So awesome. although uh, although I, I I can't help but ask, you know, as you transition out of that CEO seat, um, maybe there's less less thought about those windstorms or those, you know, temperature adjustments or pressure points where you know the grid is going to be challenged. And I'm hoping that you can let go of that. Oh, Tell me, like, don't worry about wind and outages still. 
You know, I think I think it is. Um, I, I think it's very much in my DNA, my blood. I mean, I, it, it resonates with me. I mean, I know uh, that we just have a long way to go on all the grids across, uh, you know, mm-hmm. United States, let alone the nation. So I can't tell you that when I see storms, I don't get a little cringe. But the difference is I don't have anybody to call. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I sit and pray. I pray for for all the utility uh, workers and devoted employees that work very hard to keep the power going. So I am a little curious to hear a little bit more about uh, the work that you're doing around women in energy and in specific areas. Um, of course, you know, both of us being uh, CEOs, we were at a time when there were a, a number of women CEOs, which is not something that we always um, were able to, you know, see as a, a pathway, if you will, in the industry early on. Um, so it's been, it's been interesting to see the more women in that role. And also a little concerning when I look at the trends of, you know, different elements of our um, industry where maybe we don't have a strong presence in women in engineering and women in trades and some of these other areas that I'm hoping we can continue to grow in. So tell us a little bit about what you're, what you're doing there. Well, uh, absolutely. Um, in particular, the, the main organization that I, I um, am just really um, passionate about is called I Empower, and it originated out of a network of women in the San Antonio area and and, and even outreaching to South Texas uh, that were looking for different ways to make um, connections to be supportive. And while I, I did some work with um, Women Energy Network and some other organizations, inside of CPS Energy, there were a couple of individuals, one in particular, another executive that served there, her name was, um, is Mari Weymouth. And Mari uh, had some partners um, that she had known for multiple years and decided that there just wasn't enough just general support to outreach to women. Now, so it, it sourced out of energy. I think in the end, it, it is not, um, it's broader, right? What, what we try to do is, um, attract women from across the spectrum from different ages. I mean, we've had um, people who are coming, you know, out of, out of school, uh, you know, college, and even some, some high school students that we've been able to touch. But we've also had uh, mature executives, uh, mature business um, uh, owners, one in particular, one a lady by the name of uh, Rosemary Kowalski. He, she had a... a um, has a famous um, food service and catering business in San Antonio, uh, who took a great interest in our ability to make connections with women. Mm-hmm. That said, we try our best to also, though, take every opportunity that we could and explain to women what opportunities were and, and that they really do exist in the energy industry and that this is a great time to get in the industry. Because I think um, the, the complexity that we currently have and the fact that there is no clear path, that there's going to have to be a lot of different ideas going forward, it's just a perfect place for women to delve into at every single um, different career point and look at it as an opportunity. I, we find a lot of women are interested in things like sustainability and renewables, and, and we're doing our best to make sure that women know that they can get into the technical fields of engineering um, analytical analysis, those kind of things. So, so anything that we can do to help them support 
what they're trying to achieve and their exposure and get them comfortable. I think this is what we try to make sure that we're doing all the time. Yeah, fantastic. You know, it's interesting. I often um, tell young girls when I'm speaking to different groups that, you know, they want to make a difference in the world and they want their work to be meaningful and help their community. And for me, public power is such a great place to be in that regard because you do meaningful work and it's it's life-changing for your customers and your community. Um, and so I really appreciate you um, sharing that, that vision and mission and um, that encouragement. Um, I'd be curious to know how you got in the industry. Um, by chance, uh, you know, I didn't, I, I'm not an engineer, um, you know, seriously, seriously for me, th just a little point about that is I didn't know what an engineer was. I came from a, um, very humble background. Uh, and my, my parents didn't even tell me I had to go to college. They said it was, you know, it was a privilege to be able to go to college. So I didn't have engineers in my background. And maybe if I had, I, I think I, I, probably would have been interested, but I came in through the financial route. Um, by chance, I did end up getting my one of my daughters interested. She's an industrial distribution engineering wow. um, background for her career. So, so not having that and ending up in a role and ending up as a CEO was what for me was a bit of a, you know, a hodgepodge. I tell everybody I, I said yes often. I took on different types of roles. Um, I wasn't in a similar industry, somewhat similar industry. I was in cable, at least technically in the terms of uh, caring for customers, uh, being enabled by digital uh, advancements, things like that. There were some, some similarities there. But, but I actually came to the utility. Um, I was about to move to Houston from San Antonio, and I got an offer to come. I took a pay cut, and I took a demotion. And I came into the organization. I wanted to. I didn't want to move my my kids. Uh, my husband and I wanted to stay there, but I decided when I got there. To your point, um, the utility industry, particularly municipal power, is that place where you can get closer to your customers. You can care very much about um, their economic ability to pay their bill and what programs do they know about, um, and how can you be helpful and how can you help. Um, generations of people that you've served and realized they're they're your they're your generational customers and so i felt that i didn't have that in any other organization that i worked with it's also an industry that is heavy in in technical uh science so it's very interesting but there's an art to this business as well mm -hmm. um there's an art to making sure that um, you're you're looking at estimates and you're looking at a lot of complexities and you're make you're taking in some cases, particularly when you're looking at um, new things and in innovation or um, new pilots. You know, you've got to you've got to get out of the very rigid nature of things and kind of go into how do you, how do you triangulate on uh, certain solutions and certain opportunities. So I, I would say I got into it and. Um, and I, I spent about 17 years of my total career there, and it was, it was one of the best experiences I ever had. One of the most challenging, but one of the best experiences I ever had. Yeah. Well, I know you've left a legacy of um, incredible uh, vision and and uh, employees that are carrying on that mission and some of the work that you started. And just want to say how much I admire your work and your leadership um, as a Black woman in the organization and um, just you leading in a way that is 
so um, empathetic to the customer and importantly about bringing that value to everybody um, and those opportunities. And when I think about moving forward in um, coming out of the pandemic, we saw obviously disparate impacts on different segments of our populations and our customer base. And um, some of those folks are, are still trying to recover financially from it. And, you know, electricity is not an, a luxury that you can do without anymore, especially in, you know, different weather situations. It's, it's truly about quality of life. And, you know, at the point when we look forward and think about the opportunities with um, the recent bills that have been passed, the IIJA, IRA, there's some, some, some needs that are, are before us and some challenges and also opportunities to really um, bring bring to bear those uh, services and programs that are customized and tailored around um, some of those needs. And maybe maybe share a little bit your experience in what you just shared with, you know, those customers and getting close in that local level and how you see us making this transformation in the industry and the opportunity before us. Um, you know, thank you. I'd be glad to talk about that. I mean, I, I think my experience um, relative to the pandemic, I mean, I, I remember, you know, when we first did the, the moratorium on disconnects and it was pretty early on. I think um, in March we were realizing that, that our customers were going to be significantly impacted and that we needed to not do disconnects. And the, that lasted for almost two years. Um, but, but when you went through it, what we also found was that, you know, utility typically is really adapt at um, responding to a customer telling you something, um, getting a bill, giving you a call, um, and, and then, you know, you try to help them from there. But but it really dawned on us at the moment that that the issues and pressures that customers were going through, yes, they couldn't pay the bill, but but a lot of people just didn't have a job. Period. There there were no bills that they could pay, and we uh, pretty promptly realized that we needed to switch our mindset, and we created a whole uh, group in the organization that did outbound calls. And I worked for different organizations that did that do outbound calls. Um, a lot of sales organizations do outbound calls. Utilities don't t typically do that. Um, it wasn't it wasn't kind of uh, in our skill set, but it was something that we were absolutely um, clear that there, there's got to be people out there that just don't know what help there is, either with us or someone else. When we created that that um, outbound call process and the whole organization that did that, what we found is that customers would, would share with us, um, it's not just the utility bill, I am in crisis. And we, we allowed and encouraged and reinforced with our employees, our professionals on the phone, um, to make sure that they were not rushing people off, asking them, could they be helpful? Maybe even having the realization that they don't have a computer. I mean, the digital divide is also real, not just an energy equity issue that we have, but the digital divide makes that even more complex. People can't get the help that, that may even be available to them, and that is awfully you know, scary. So we would encourage our people to 
to keep them on the phone, make phone calls for them, connect them with different agencies. I remember we even had some agencies very curious, like they were wondering who was a prank call. Why is the utility company calling us because for about food um, deficiencies and um, other federal monies that didn't have anything to do with the utility bill? And, and we said, we're just a conduit, right? You don't have to give us any information, but you got a person out there that needs help. We're going to help them all we can but they need more help, right? So they, the best way to do that, right, is to is to convene and collaborate and partner with different organizations so that your outreach is more meaningful and it, and it penetrates further. And so that was the revelation that, that we had early on and kept it up. And, but still, there are a lot of people that still, I think, didn't get all the help that they needed. Um, I am, uh, as you say, Jackie, I'm, I'm very encouraged by the effort that the current administration is trying to put on to try to fill in those gaps, both in terms of how can there be more um, uh, um, equity and benefits to uh, citizens out there, and how can we help the people who have the least, right, Um, economically, in in addition to whether or not it's about race, it's often about class and, and just generally people not having money. And um, how do you also take all that into consideration and then do a lot of the technical things that that have to be done to solve the issues? So I agree with you. This is extremely exciting time. Um, The federal government, I'm I'm working on uh, Secretary Granholm's Energy Advisory Board, as I said, and she's very engaged and very, you know, challenges uh, the group. We've got professionals from, from across the nation that are on this advisory board doing um, a lot of work around grid modernization, um, equity of, of service, how to do better outreach programs, technical abilities, working with the national labs, all those things. Um, so we can try to synthesize and actually um, resolve some issues. It's, sometimes it's difficult to figure out again how to get these funds into people's hands, into to utilities' hands, into businesses' hands quicker, faster, and how do we get the biggest bang for the buck? Yeah, that's fantastic. We are we are so fortunate as an industry to have you and your experience and your voice at that table. And so, you know, thank you. That's incredible work. Um, and what an exciting time. I mean, the investments through the IIJA and IRA um, really uh, once in a lifetime, right? And when you think about grid modernization and the evolution of the grid, um, balancing the, that need and the resiliency pressures and then the customer impact or opportunity. It's it's a very important mission and um, one that I think is going to be fascinating to be part of. So, so maybe from your perspective, as you think about this, um, and in particular, we'll come back to the grid resilience piece, but how, how do you think that we need to go about this? What's success for us look like in, in this industry as we're making these changes? Um, God, you know, um, I have always believed that uh, success uh, in our industry is, is going to be um, a step at a time, right? I mean, which, which isn't what people want to hear, right? I think most people um, believe that, um, you know, why doesn't the, the government move faster? Why don't utilities just make a choice, right, to to say that they are going to go all solar or do, you know, do some of those things that this seem like, um, I think, to the average person, a no-brainer. And, and really, the, the issue is, again, 
Um, we have existing infrastructure, existing systems, existing technology, but to get to the new technology that takes advantage of, uh, you know, no emissions and, and zero carbon and net zero carbon, all of those things, there's just so many steps to take uh, going forward. I think the future looks like trying to really make meaningful steps every single day and that they they look very very incremental but i also believe that over time these incremental steps will create an exponential benefit and um um and so ultimately it'll be one of those things where you have to look back you look back you know 12 months uh ago and see how much has changed what's changed is as you said, there's there's new programs out there. There's um, new awareness about the things that we need to do and the spend. And the, the spend is getting more and more fine-tuning. And it's in, in search of projects, real projects that, that we can get behind again and create a whole lot more ability to do things like get renewables from um, where where it's actually generated, getting that power to you know large load zones, and at the same time, though fine tune when you deliver that power and make sure that it's being equitably received within a city or community. And so, I just think there's a whole lot more awareness that's happening incrementally all the time. We're making progress every single day. I think that, I think we're moving much faster than um, than you know, people had, had thought it's, mm -hmm. it may not be as fast as we dream, but it is definitely moving fast. And I just think we just got to keep pushing and not get, you know, disenchanted or, um, you know, fed up or throw our hands up. It, it's real work. It's, it's work that we have to keep rolling our sleeves up to make sure that, that it works. Mm -hmm. And once again, I, I, I think, you know, we have leaders, um, uh, Dr. Arun Majundar, um, Basically, again, he's leading the CAB uh, to try to help us really kind of bring all of our ideas together. And that's, again, that's a lot of bringing back coalitions and getting a lot of people who have different types of backgrounds. And again, thinking about how do you actually get something done? Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you you raised really a great point, and you mentioned the national labs earlier. And when when I think about the ecosystem here, you know, um, the industry has generally been a little slower to change, right? Uh, we've we've seen that rate of change moving pretty fast. Uh, I like how the futurists say it will never rate of change will never be slower than it is right now, and and I feel like we've experienced that lately. But so for good reason, though, right? We have an awesome responsibility to keep this machine, the grid, right, functioning and reliable and to be ready to flip that switch or meet those um, demands, regardless of what's happening outside and weather. Um, and again, we'll come back to resilience. But the um, we also have disruptors that want to bring more technology in and provide those choices, options, convenience to customers that, that are pushing envelopes for us. We have new renewables. We have... Um, opportunities for hydrogen, which is, you know, a whole new landscape for us. And then we've got the national labs where you've typically seen kind of that R&D and um, talk about those relationships and interplay and how the importance they um, they bring to, and I think about the grid forward ecosystem, we really have a diverse group of members, right, that are in a lot of those spaces. So think about that. What, what are the opportunities here for that interplay and the importance of those relationships? You know, I think that the opportunities are um, boundless um, and real. Um, you know, look, I think in our um, in our 
country and the way that we think about you know economics and we think about business right oftentimes it's about competitive advantage and winning um which is fine you know i think that that's not a challenge but i do think sometimes when we're looking at that we think it's either or right that again um one technology win or or won't but but i don't think that at all i think we need disruptors um disruptors ultimately need to um need to bring the technology forward that they're thinking of and i think that there the existing like um organizations and the, the part utilities that have been in this business for a long time have a lot to learn from disruptors mm-hmm. and um we have to learn how to evolve our businesses and i just definitely think that we could learn a lot from each other i think i think disruptors right probably aren't used to um the care of a system over the long term and what customers ultimately need i mean i've said you know even even if i've had customers to say well i'm going to disconnect from the grid i said well that's i i think ultimately that is something that can very you know viably happen for some customers but not for all customers mm-hmm. not every customer is going to be wanting to spend all as much resources as it would take to disconnect as well as what it takes to keep that going on a perpetual basis the sustainable nature of having replacement technology or people who are going to help you with that i mean there's just a lot of complexity to that so i just think there's a there's a customer in here for everyone and there's customers with multiple needs so i think that interplay is real i think there should be a whole lot more partnership i think there should be a whole lot more not being afraid of disruption but embracing it and wondering how are we going to evolve our individual um businesses in light of new technological advances mm-hmm. and uh, to the to your point um by being on the advisory uh committee we're able we've been able to go to a couple of uh labs um and we've seen two i think we 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 um we've done berkeley um and then we've done argon and um we are looking at another lab to go to in the near future in oakridge uh as well so um when we go out there and we go to see what's what's happening it's there's some amazing work that's already there and um a lot of the work that they do is available for many organizations um to really participate in um you got to make your own connection and um you know work with them in terms of trying to scope it out but there's just a lot of great uh, scientists uh, that are working on some new solutions um just any everything from new types of energy to biofuels to to all of the how do you, how do you make sure that you're looking at um AI all of these things uh that I think all, everyone can benefit from the work is so amazing um I think we underestimate you know how much it takes how how many people it takes how much investment it takes but it's happening mm-hmm. and they're there for for many participants uh in business to get benefits from so I think the interplays are real um you know the one thing I would say Jackie you know you know this as a you know utility um CEO one of the problems that we are plagued with is we have an everyday responsibility i say we as if i'm still in there but to serve right so sometimes this that everyday 24/7 pressure of keeping the power on the lights on keeping you know all the systems up and going doesn't always leave the you know a large amount of time 
for us to lean into uh, where the industry is going and kind of sit there and strategize with it. But I do think more and more, um, I think every organization needs to make sure that they're, they're actively allocating enough time to make connections, to get out and see where technology is going, to look at what the national labs are doing, to partner with every single customer and to be open to the disruptive conversation. You can't be blindsided by this thing. Mm -hmm. I think you got to make sure that your eyes are wide open to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. And in particular to, you know, take advantage of that innovation and, and find new ways to do things. Um, when I think about, so hooking back to resilience and, and the grid with our more extreme climate events, with our um, changing resource supply. And in some cases in the West, we've got a lot, lot of transition in market. Um, and, and then at the same time, you know, we're leaning into the opportunity to decarbonize in the Northwest where we've got a lot of um, carbon-free energy decarbonize other industries, which could lead to more demand on the system and that delicate balance, right? And so um, maybe share with me what you see as the opportunity with some of the funding measures that have been brought forward to really hone in on this uh, transitional period and continue to, you know, maintain the level of reliability we've had historically, but still have more flexibility. You know, um, I'll, I'll, I'll spin you know, most of this, uh, you know, part, you know, talking about my subcommittee. So the way, again, the, the advisory committee is set up is we have subcommittees. So we have a grid modernization subcommittee. And, um, you know, the opportunities are, um, I, I think there's a portfolio of them. But I will tell you that, that again, the, the secretary does encourage us to think about the best way to get the you know funds out with the biggest impact and the best benefit. Um, the, the problem is, though, I would say that you know technically, um, to have the biggest benefit in some cases, you're looking at transmission projects, and there's a lot of complexity around new transmission and just in general, transmission oftentimes can can take a lot of effort and um, a long period of time associated with just permitting and trying to find the right routes and working with um, landowners and all those kind of things. But that said, um, there are still opportunities out there. And I do think more and more that, you know, the ISOs need to be thinking about how how they could be working with, you know, more closely with um, the DOE in particular about how can the, the DOE be helpful? They want to. They want to make sure that they're they're trying to solve some of these problems in terms of technically, is there anything they can do from the federal standpoint um, to, to eliminate some of the paper requirements? And um, is there anything that they can do legislatively to, to work with legislators to, to smooth out some of those challenges? Um, I do, but I do also think that we are still trying to look again at how can we get a lot of renewable generation um, available and um, also look at what the labs are doing to help us figure out how can we have better forecasting, how can we have right. better use of, of that, and how to back up that those systems. So so they are definitely looking at the connection that DOE has, you know, of course, and working with and um, and all of these national labs. But I do think it takes the, the um, ISOs to, to lean into it more than perhaps we have seen um, in the past. Those, those opportunities are out there. And again, they have a whole um, 
uh, network of people who are looking at technically those issues, um, administratively, some of the challenges that go along with that, and then the new issues around um, energy equity. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I would say, even as a even as an experienced executive who's um, worked a lot with customers and, and customer issues, um, I think the energy equity piece uh, that it, there's a whole element of um, of trying to, to educate there. I think sometimes. Um, I've been in discussions and, and, you know, they've indicated why, why does it look like the utility industry, it doesn't have as much infrastructure um, where, where people who are not, don't have as much money. Why, why is that? Is it, is it a racial issue? Is it that kind of thing? And in reality, a lot of that is just the natural progression of how a community grows. Oftentimes, um, growth happens, the money, the money follow is following the growth areas. Um, I lived in a, a, a older part of San Antonio uh, most of my life, and um, while there, I mean, people just moved out, and that left us there with the older um, infrastructure, um, and really trying to make sure that we're explaining to people it's not anything that was pre-planned. It's kind of those things that, that happen naturally when you have growth and development and all of those things, but you can make sure when this money comes in that you are equitably do, doing a back cast and making sure that money is going to those older parts of your community and that you're making sure that those customers are getting some of the benefits of making sure that the delivery and the benefit of that delivery power is happening there as well. Yeah, I think uh, beautifully said, you know, just really using the lessons of the past, it, whether they were intentional or just at that f- that um, evolution and being intentional moving forward, right? Um, and that opportunity is is going to be very unique with this particular point in time. And and really, for me, I think it's one of those areas that could redefine how, how we serve our customers and how they benefit from the value of our service. So really excited about that. So I know we're running out of time and we're probably going a little <laughs> bit long, but I feel like we could we could keep doing this all day. Um, what as you know, as somebody who's been leading in organizations and at the table, what are you most excited about being involved with this work? You know, I'm I'm uh, even though I'm an uh, I'm an accountant actually, but uh, and and then I moved into finance. You know, I mean, I think about things in terms of numbers, but but I would tell you, I'm still just super excited about um, innovation. And I talked about the National Labs. I, I didn't talk as much about this other organization that we just had a board meeting yesterday. It's called Epicenter, and what they again, what they're trying to do, uh, what they do is they help organizations match and, and look at individuals who have great ideas, um, who are looking to match and align their resources with other organizations that, that might have resources like, like utilities, but it doesn't necessarily have to be them, could be you know, energy companies of any type. Um, that match of people who have the interest and drive to look for those solutions because um, we need them, we need them, we need, we need different types of uh, storage solutions, um, we need improvements on the storage solutions that we have, um, we need to be extremely creative, but we also got to, to make sure that the people who have these ideas, not just in the labs, but there are individuals out there who are coming up with these really phenomenal ideas, and um, making sure, again, that they're able to take their 
Um, they can go through incubation with the organization called Epicenter. They can get a lot of counsel and advice. They're matched with mentors and entrepreneurs that help them. And then to actually deploy them in the backyards of communities where they can actually experience some of these wow. new technologies, help. Um, kind of problem solve, and then ultimately the goal is to take it to scale. And and again, I, that's why I'm not really in any way um, worried about disruption. It has to happen, but I do think there's a whole lot more ability for everyone to get involved, for new people to enter the industry, um, for the you know for the, for the ability for us to solve this this big issue you know going forward. How are we going to decarbonize? in the smartest, most efficient, and and least costly way possible. It's, right. it's got a big tab on it. That's why we've got to work on it to make sure it's not going to be something we can't bear. We've got to make sure it's something that we can. Yeah, yeah well said. Well said. We don't want to be a commodity for the rich and affluent, right? So we need to, we need right. to keep that staple that we've always had. So, well... Paula, it's been great to connect with you. Um, you have got so many amazing things going on in your world, and I hope you're I hope you're finding time to take care of yourself too, because that's a that's a full plate. Um, and yes, I look ma'am. forward to the day that we get to meet in person again, and we get absolutely. To yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity, and yeah. you take care. You're busy. I know that. So. Of course. Yeah. Great time. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Grid Forward Chats. If you're interested in Grid Forward membership our work to accelerate grid modernization and energy innovation, including the backlog of our podcast, visit us at gridforward.org. If you like the podcast, please share it with your friends and colleagues and give us a rating on your favorite podcast app.